to Jeff Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chant TV. Good to be with you. Damn it, the top of the hour came and went, and Florida State still lost the game, maddeningly so. I can't get past it. I'm only allowing for this month. Tom, we got to move on after today. we got to move on after today. No more wallowing in this game after today. It's on to the next. we got to be right. Bill Belichick. So, there, you know... NFL teams, pro teams have a 24-hour rule. Yeah, you yeah. have a Monday rule? I've got a Monday rule because yeah. we have to discuss it. That's when we're on the air. I was able to largely ignore it yesterday. I was able to kind of pay attention to the NFL, watch them, you know, try to, to watch some other items of the day that I might have, you know, fantasy sports, gambling, all that stuff. I could distract myself. But today, got up this morning early. Got the coffee going. Great weather outside. Perfect weather outside. Actually opened it up, sat on the deck with my laptop, and watched it. Watched it again. I shouldn't have done it. I should have just put it behind me. Should have put it in the rear view and said, guys, I have nothing insightful to say. I think I know what happened. I did a do watch along with Tom there. It was fun, but I, I couldn't bring myself to watch it again. But I didn't want to do that to people. I wanted to make sure I knew what I was looking at, and I did. I've never... I've never seen – I thought about, you know, how in baseball, one of the unique things about baseball, and Tim Kirchin's great at pointing this out, every week it, there's something that happens in baseball season where you're like, I've never seen that before. I've been watching baseball for 40-plus years, and I've never seen that happen before. It could be uh, a weird way in which a triple play was turned. It could be, you know, somebody scores 10 runs in the ninth, you know, to, to win a game. Something weird, right? But that's not true a lot of times in other sports. You have seen teams come back from 30 down in basketball. You have teams. You know, not a lot of things that you're watching where you're like, ah, I've never really seen that. I've never seen somebody called for putting the ball beyond the line of scrimmage. That's I've never seen it. I thought about it when I watched it again this morning. I went, you know, I've never seen that happen in a football game. Not little kids playing football. Not my first year of playing peewee football where maybe the kids don't know the rules and something could get you know screwed up. Never seen it. Never saw it in high school. Never seen it in college. Never Certainly never seen it in the pros. I've never seen it, period. Well, congratulations, buddy. We got to see it Together. from our kicker, from our punter. Master Mono gave us a moment we had never had. I, I, I wonder if anybody's ever seen it. Has it ever happened? I didn't bother to go look that up. Has it ever happened that a punter got called for punting beyond the line of scrimmage? It's it's that's a that's really bizarre. And it took that. Also, he could have walked to a first down. It took that plus a post whistle penalty plus the drops plus two ridiculous interceptions, and all of them added up to a two point deficit for us in the end. But that's what it took. Nothing short of all of those things had to happen, but they all did. I've never seen it. I mean, I, I, I was mad in the moment, but I've never seen it. Also, again, he could have walked to the first down, and had he done so, you talk about a punch in the gut to NC State. You go from thinking you're about to have a block punt, changing the entire complexion of the game to, look at this headsy son of a gun. Pulled it down and ran for a first down. And now we're still out here and we're tired. Florida State strings together another first down or two. That's, that's your game. That is an alternate universe. That I mean, 
It should have happened. Others live in. There's no other way to look at that. You should have just run for the first down, kid. What are you doing? Where? How could you run? It's like running for five minutes and not realizing that you're well beyond where you started. Like, hey, man, you're further on down the road. Surely you know you're well past the line of scrimmage here. You're practically on their side of the field. What are we doing? Well, he's assessing how long it is to get to the first down yardage marker, and there is somebody on the left side. He's I think we're going to block dude. it. He's I getting think there, dude. We're going to block it. But he might say, ooh, that's a long way. I should punt this. No, run your ass, man. You've already. <laughs> oh, I'm not saying what should have been done. I'm saying that's clearly what he was thinking. <laughs> oh, I guess it happened this year. Where the hell? Well, I wasn't watching South Carolina and UCF because that is, I mean, good God. Is that right? 12 yards beyond the line? 12 you, yards? What? Was this a fearful child? He was that scared of getting hit. He's 12 yards beyond the line. Oh, they're going to hit me. I'm going to punt it. What? I'm going to go back and watch that play. Was it similar? Did a dude just avoid a, a, a punt block and sprint down the field? I think he was trying to leave the program, and he decided he wanted to go out with a bang. Kind of like George Costanza getting fired in epic fashion. That was something to behold, man. I... I, at least we can laugh about it, I guess. I mean, we lost the game for so many reasons. Add that to the coffers. But, I mean, Jesus, between the drops and the you know all the stuff that frustrated us that we well-documented last hour, I forgot to mention that Mastromano did something that I've never seen. Apparently, it's been done this year. I had never seen it before that somebody punted the ball beyond the line of scrimmage. When, when we were watching it, I was like, what? what? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you were off screen at that time, yeah. which is probably good. Oh my God, it's very good. Yeah, because Aslan and I were on, and he was speculating, "What's the ruling?" I'm like, "Well, if it's the same as when a quarterback crosses the line of scrimmage, we we got a problem. We here. got a real problem. It's their ball right there. By the way, that seems too penal of a rule. Mm. We need to go back and revisit that rule. That rule seems absurd to me. We just give it to you down here. No, 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 man. Yeah. Add 15 yards. I think to if they the could have, Flanagan would have said, "All right, so yeah. by rule, touchdown." Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the loss of down ball right there, nonsense. No, nah, we got to look at that rule. That seems a little bit over the top. And how about Josh Farmer making a huge play? I know the throw wasn't great on the double pass, but that's the drive where if you don't make that play, and mm -hmm. even if it's second and five instead of, I think it was second and nine, you don't get them in a third and 40. So that set the tone for it, and you get them in a third and 40, and then they still end up making a kick from Duke's the, campus. Yeah, yeah. Well, they've got a kicker. Good one. Hey, our guy made one. Let's hope, and he made two extra points. Let's really hope that it's what snaps him out of it. He was allowed to leave this game feeling good about himself. After all, he didn't get to miss the final kick of the game, which I think he most assuredly would have. We'll never know. We can yell at each other all we want. Who knows? But, but well, the point is. His toe prints are all over it, though, right? The way that that game was managed. Oh, the way the it's end. called, the way it's yeah. managed. And again, I think people mistake the throw and the decision by Jordan uh, for a play call that is set in stone. It's not. You have options there. He makes that decision to make that throw. It's not that he has to make that throw. I mean, that's why you put some responsibility on your quarterback and you have uh, option routes in place. Um, you know, this is, this is a lot to do with what does the safety do. And so it looks to me um, – I mean, it looks to me, anyhow, like 
he chooses to cut in because he thinks the safety's shading over. Now you you can say it's because he gets grabbed, but he I, gets re, he yeah, gets rerouted. He gets rerouted. It's, he has outside leverage, and then the kid does some sort of moonwalk technique that I don't think he's intending to do. Now the damning quote after the game was over was NC State knew had, it had defenders saying they they're not going to trust their kicker. No, so of course they'll sell out to over the top. But if you look at it, you snap it and you freeze it. And you look at where he, I mean, he's predetermined, I think, that that's where he's going to go with the ball, unfortunately, because Johnny's open underneath on a slam. Right by the umpire. One of the reasons that he may have predetermined that he's going to go with the ball there to begin with is because they scored a touchdown on that play earlier in the right. game, and his guy, that guy in particular, made the catch while so many others couldn't catch the ball. I agree. The hard part is, and Johnny dropped it on a slant on the fourth down, but he had just come off of making a huge catch on he that made drive. A big play, yeah. And um, you could see... At the moment he's making the decision, it does look like he's giving, he's being given the pylon and the and the far sideline. But then it just changes as he's throwing the ball. There's contact, and then the ball's up there for you know three light years, so the kid can run underneath it too. Oh yeah, no, it's it's bad all the way around. You know, if Mike had played for the field goal, despite everything that's happened this year with our kicker, and he went out there and missed the kick. Mike would be getting killed today. If if you score the touchdown there, we're talking about you know the guts that it takes to do all of that. I mean, I get it. We play results all the time. Nameless, I, I just checked here. You, you wrote, Jeff, that's BS. He would have made it. Come on, man. How could you possibly think he would have made it? Because he made one earlier in the game? Because he made a low-leverage kick before the he half. He made a really low-leverage kick with nothing on the line before the half. Hasn't made a thing all year. has been awful has been dreadful, has missed an extra point, has had some misses where he's not even on the reservation. There's no reason to believe he would have made that. He might have. He might. We'll never know, so this is a pointless debate. But to dismiss it and say, he, oh, he would have made it. Yeah, what's the likelihood? What's the greater likelihood? We all know what that is. And somebody asked the question immediately after, would you have been more mad if he played for the field goal or in this outcome? I'd be more mad if they played for the field goal. Yeah, you don't play for the field goal there. You have enough time plus your timeouts. Yeah. You have yeah. your timeouts. That's the other part of this. You also have a quarterback you trust. You also are in a you're in a position where there's no reason to play for the field goal here. You can score. You've got enough time. It, it, I understand you don't want to do anything irrational or hurried. Right. And if you've got to kick it, you got to kick it. If, if you it's fourth and 11 yeah, or whatever. No, if you, if you, you know, throw the yeah. ball and it's incomplete and then you run a play and it's incomplete and the next thing you know it's fourth down, you got to kick your field goal from there, you do it. But you play to, to score the touchdown there. I don't think there's any doubt about that. That's what they were doing too. And NC State was calling their timeouts because they were concerned that they wanted – so you, either way, you could burn their assets there. You've got short options on that play. He chose – yeah. A tough, tough route. The road not taken. <laughs> and it made all the difference. But, again, to be to be honest with you, Robert Frost, I would just tell you that, <laughs> that you have to make all of those catches preceding that. If you do, we're not having any of these conversations. No, the watch-along is a coronation for the second At half. At that point, Florida State runs away with the game. There are a lot of little things that line up in succession to to nitpick, whether it's a play call, whether it's a decision, whether it is an adjustment not made, whatever you want to do, all rendered moot. This is why coaches always do this. It's, it's deflection a lot of times, and I hate it when they do this. If it were a pattern, then I would really get on uh, our coach if he did it, or any coach for that matter. But when, when games go south – 
and and the coach gets second guess. This is the National Football League. This is college. This is high school. It doesn't matter. They tend to bring up, in their defense, they tend to bring up execution. Well, you know, we had some things we left out there. If we had executed here, executed there, it's never about one play or one decision. Da, da, da. A lot of times that's deflection because somebody does something asinine, like, say, Denver's coach every week does something stupid, and then he could say, well, we didn't execute the way we wanted to, and that's why we had to kick a 60-whatever-yard field goal <laughs> Okay, that's that's one way to look at it. That's one way to answer the question. Also, I'd like to talk about your thought press process there. But in this case, I think it's true. In this case, if you make those catches, you're probably running away with the game, running away with it. I mean, at at seventeen to three, I mean at twenty-one to three, is NC State are they done? Given oh, their offense, but given the yeah. impotence we had seen from their offense. Yes, 100%. Yeah, I think so too. And, and that was some of the, again, on the fly in the second half, 17 to 10, or even if it's 17 to 13 and we've got the ball, I'm thinking you score one time. One touchdown. It felt that way. It felt, although it felt like you were one touchdown away from a knockout blow, and you never got it. I mean, hell, it was hard enough to get a first down, let alone a touchdown. Uh, again, we bring up the numbers, they're staggering. It's. It's a toughie. And I don't know what Mike's protocol is behind the scenes like uh, Jimbo's was with sports psych and things like that, but I, I would imagine that part of the conversation after that game and before they get into too much practice this week is, did you see any signs of worry in every, anybody's faces? Maybe go to the position coaches and you say, what are the signs that we've got some issues you with mean composure? In, you mean in-game? I'm saying after the game's over, he says, did you see anything? Yeah. Because we now have to be prepared for this. He didn't think that they would do I, this. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that for the reason that I think you're starting to, to shine a bright light on a negative. I, I understand what you're trying it's to a, do. You're trying a, to resolve a problem. With the coaching staff. You don't tell the players. Right. You, tell, you, yeah. you and your staff say, hey, if there are signs of trouble, I want to know about it because who saw this coming? I don't. These kids have been nails. Yeah, I just I, I, I don't want to say that. I mean, Mike brought up the word press. He brought it up afterwards. So that's why it's fair game to talk about. I'm not suggesting it. In fact, after wake, yeah. I, I normally, by the way, dismiss those things. Those are offhanded remarks made to put a label on something you can't figure out as to why it happened. So you'll hear people say momentum, or you'll hear people say rhythm, or you'll hear people say that somebody pressed or they got whatever, you know. I think more often than not, not always, but more often than not, I think it's that, look, man, dude just dropped the ball, lost concentration. I don't think he was scared of the moment. I don't think on fourth and three when he hit Johnny Wilson in the hands, he dropped it because he was pressing. He just dropped the damn ball. He has a problem with drops. He dropped it. Bad time to drop a pass. As the game I, goes on, though, you don't think that these things kind of materialize oh, there's because a of a greater level sense of anxiety. Of, yeah, there's a heightened yeah. level of anxiety when the situation is – football, though, really – other than a quarterback to some degree um, – Football really helps you out in stressful moments because it's such a team game, and the success of a play is dependent on eleven different guys doing their job, right? So, if you let's say you're a right tackle, okay, and this whatever the play call is, you're down four with three to play, and you have the ball in your own fifteen. So this is it. You got to go down and score a touchdown. Field goal is not going to do it. You know that going onto the field. You recognize. Well, this is it. This is probably going to be the last time we get the ball. The second the quarterback tells you the play, your only thought is what you are, what are your keys? What are you looking at? Like, so we're going to get lined up. Whoever has the job of the call for the mic, that'd be the center 
or the quarterback, depending. Okay, so let's say the center yells out who the mic is. Now I know who I block here. I don't really. I'm not thinking about time and score at that point. I'm thinking about who I'm blocking. Um, from there, now you're going to listen to your quarterback who may opt into something else. So I've got to be paying close attention to what he now does in terms of protection and whatever else he's going to call out. But there's a lot happening, and it all gets back to what's my job on this play. I don't have time to think about the consequences of not scoring on this drive, which is the bigger picture that would cause nerves. Quarterbacks do to some extent, and maybe, I don't know, You maybe you say a receiver looks the ball's in the air and, you know, i got to catch this. I I think that you could see on some of their faces that maybe the weight of what was happening in slow motion for the better part of two hours was... I think the weight of... I think the weight of not executing time and again, and then not having the ball. They had the ball for 9 minutes and 15 seconds in the second half. So that's not a lot. (laughs) And that's what happens when you go 3 and out, 3 and out, 3 and out. That's frustration. I don't know if that's pressing. That's frustration. That's aggravation. That's angst. I don't know if it's like, oh, my God, we're going to lose. I don't think they're going through that. No, but what's the on the other side of that aggravation? For example, if you know you're shooting a good round on a course, and it, it, again, it's one mind. But that's an individual sport. Yeah, but if I'm an individual who's trying to make up for the other, for my guys screwing up, I'm saying f this. I'm going to make this play now. And now you're not thinking about going through your process and putting yourself in position but to the, succeed. You're thinking about f this. I'm going to do this. Yeah, but the best way in to spite do, of them. Well, but I think the best way to do that, especially on offense, is to be where you're supposed to be on that play. I, I don't know that. Defensive players, linebackers and such, might come out of their rules, their assignment, you know, their fit, if they feel like, I know where this play is going, I'm jumping this route. He's done this six times in a row in this formation, I'm going to take a risk because we need to make a play, I'm going to jump this. You might do that. You don't see it a lot with a lot of other players. Here's what I'm picturing in my mind as I'm making the point that I'm making is the interaction between Coach Norvell and Jordan Travis after his first interception on the sideline. It's Which that today he mentioned was a really good defensive call for the call that they had on. It was. But I'm talking about you see an expression on a player's face as a coach is trying to counsel him. Yeah. And I, and I Norvell like that. said that today. That yeah. Look, I coach differently on Saturdays. On Saturdays it's about... At communication. Right. It's not about being combative and ratcheting yeah. up the energy. It's yeah. about communication level on, on game day. That's mm-hmm. what it's all about. Mm-hmm. And you saw some back and forth, and that's the second week in a row. Because against Wake Forest, they weren't on the same page either. When they were going through those empty possessions in the first half, they had cut to it on the TV broadcast where Mike is saying, what did you see? And they clearly don't like the other's answers back and forth. There, There is well, a miscommunication about what they're seeing on the field, and there's an expectation that's not being met either way. Fair. That's going to happen between an offensive coordinator and a quarterback. And I get Mike's the head coach, but we all know Mike's calling the plays as mm-hmm. well. And so it's important that they're on the same page. Jimbo is the same way. You see it again this week, and that was they stuck with Jordan because they were reviewing uh, post whistle penalties on Pittman and, and yeah, other and things. Jordan looked disgusted and frustrated, and they stuck with him on that shot. I, that's interesting to me, and well, that's, it's a, it's a, that's what I'm picturing in my mind when I say somebody's pressing and they're doing things for the wrong reasons rather than being where their feet are. Yeah, uh, maybe with quarterback you can make that argument. I don't think you really can with other positions too on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, uh, a running back doesn't come outside the play. He doesn't be like, well, you know, this play calls for me to go to the right. I'm going to run left. Unless you're Leonard Fournette on fourth and one yesterday. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, you know. Oh, now, you're, if you're talking about a habit of bouncing 
and not wanting to take contact. That's yeah. a different thing. That's a physical thing. Wilder That's, did that against Virginia Tech in 12. Uh, it saved our ass. <laughs> well, it worked because, because he drags like, somebody. He fouls and he scores. <laughs> yeah, but he drags somebody's ass. <laughs> we'll get another opinion on this here in a moment. Idra Chappelle, Warchant.com, going to join us in a moment. It's Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, Warchant team. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. I'll be uh, chatting. Oh, hey now. Hey, I, Whoa. Robert, thank you. Reflection Monday, my place of choice to reflect on was uh, McLean's drop. That's game over. Anyway, season going about as planned or slightly better. Uh, yeah, 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 I think so. I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, JC writes, at times you guys feel like it should be JT should be selfish and take the game into his own hands and run the ball no matter what the play is being called. Well, it depends on when you're talking about JC. They had a lot of things there in the first half. They could have scored a lot more than 17 points in said half, and that was in large part due to the fact that in the run game they had it blocked up. They they could have had so many more explosive plays there, uh, in particular twice on a counter. Uh, and then they did have an outside zone where you get Benson uh, tripped up, just kind of like a desperate reach out there, and he falls. Uh, I need him to be stronger in that situation. I think I think he's got to be. Um, so, you know, if if your game plan is being implemented and it's working, then no, I don't suggest you do something outside the play design. I think he can call his own number on uh, zone read and, and that kind of stuff. Um Read option, and he can, uh, and he did when the time was right. Busted a long one. I thought he, I thought he was fine. Uh, there have been some moments this year where he had a run pass option and chose to give when I thought he should have kept. But I mean, that's a math equation most of the time. The other one was a question too about do you think that they're slightly ahead or right on schedule so far? I'd say slightly ahead given the amount of injuries that they're still this good at times. I yeah. wouldn't. I wouldn't have said that was possible. Where where they are is still in a position to achieve uh, all of our, uh, I I think, highest expectations or lofty expectations. I mean, yeah. I suppose if you told me before the season through six games they'd be four and two, I'd say that that'd be fine. That'd be fine. With I no mean, bless Harris, Roberts got out for a game and a half. And- yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I think I'd be all right with that. That's why, you know, obviously you're not hitting the panic button but when you lose a game that you have pretty well wrangled and for the reasons that they did it, it's really hard not to get frustrated there let's go talk to ira irashafelwarchant.com how are you brother i'm great jeff how you doing man 
I'm good, man. This is the first loss Florida State's had in a while where it kind of stayed with me longer than it normally does. I'm usually pretty good at processing that, and for the purposes of this job, not unlike what you do, Ira, obviously, when you have to write your 3-2-1, and we all go back and we watch certain aspects of the game, if not the entirety of the game, to see what we thought we saw and to ensure that that was accurate. Usually from that point forward, I can let it go and move on, but today driving in, I'm still hurting, man. The fan in me is still hurting. That That's a tough one to take because there's a lot of blame to go around to a lot of different people and things. I am curious, Ira, referencing your 3-2-1 column, I am curious, why is it that you think uh, that this team is not able uh, to, to play with a fearless spirit, as I think is the way you described it, if I remember reading that right? Like, why, what, what do you think is going on there? Yeah, I don't know, man. It's tough to write about. These last two weeks have been really tough to write about because usually when you have mistakes, and the reason you're mad about that game is because that's a game Florida State lost. NC State didn't win it. And so that's frustrating because you went to a top 15 team on the road, and they didn't even beat you. You beat yourself. That's frustrating. And so I, so I get it. But usually when you have mistakes where you, a team beats themselves, it's like one guy here or that guy there. It's like they're individual plays. But what's been really difficult to kind of get your, my, my, my mind around is, it is it's, it's a macro discussion because it's happening in so many different places. And I thought, you know, Alex Atkins talked about it today, and I thought he had a really good response. He said, look, we're in this journey where a year ago, a year and a half, or two years ago, we couldn't compete. Then last year, it's like, okay, we can compete, and we can beat some bad teams. And we proved that early this year. Now can we go beat some good teams? And to do that, you have to execute and perform at a high level in those really important moments. And that's where this team has failed the last couple of weeks. They just have not been able to execute in those big moments, those crucial moments, and he thinks Alex Atkins said he thinks it's a learned behavior. I believe that's true. I think some guys just have it. They're preternaturally born with it. But I think uh, a lot of guys, it becomes a learned behavior, especially for a program. And I just think they have to get through that. I don't know when it's going to come, though, but it needs to happen pretty soon. When Mike Norvell said after the game that the outcome was 100% on him, do you think he believes that's true? Uh, I think... To a degree, you know, look, I mean, I think he – watch the way he talks about his team. I mean, he, he is going to internalize everything. He's one of those guys that thinks he should have coached around. Even if a guy should have done the job better, he should have coached him – he should have coached around it. Like, I, I think – and this is this is just me guessing. Um, I think when he looks at that last play and the interception from Jordan Travis, look, Jordan Travis can't make that throw. In that situation, there's a lot of things he can do there. He could look for a check down. He could run it. He could throw it away. He just cannot throw that ball unless he's 100% sure it's open because when a field goal could win the game. But I wonder if Mike Norvell says to himself, you know what? Jordan hasn't been in enough of those moments, in enough big games, in enough environments like this. I shouldn't have given him a play where that was even an option. Like I should have simplified it for him to where – he, well, I'm not asking him to make that decision. Now, is that fair or is that is that realistic? I mean, you're a college quarterback. You need to be able to make that decision. But that's what I think. I think when he sees somebody not do well, I think he thinks, I need to do a better job of protecting him in that situation. And so for that reason, I think he believes what he says, but I don't know that it's necessarily uh, 
100% the right way to look at it. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I think you just described it aptly. I think that's right. Because if you're a coach, ultimately you know responsibility falls at your feet no matter what happens. So is it Norvell's fault that he schemed open a bunch of one-on-ones and they were there and guys couldn't catch a ball? No. Um, but coach is going to take blame for that, just like he's going to take blame for Jordan Travis making a terrible decision, and not his only terrible decision of the night, because he's probably thinking, in that situation, I have to tell him, it's it's our guy or nobody. You, you know, let's not – there's no doubt here when you let this go. It's our guy or nobody. And if it's not 100% there, we've got our timeouts and we've got enough time that you can take off or you can fire it at the feet of somebody if you just don't see it. If, right. it you know, live to fight another day. Maybe he doesn't feel like he emphasized it enough. Um, but I would ask you this, and I am curious your thoughts on why they looked like two different teams. NC State in the second half dared Florida State to throw the ball because they were tired of getting beat on the ground. And they should have been beat a lot worse on the ground, even though they you know, gave up 294 yards in the first half to NC State's defense. But they decided we are going to run blitz. We're going to do whatever we have to do to stack. You're not running the ball on first down and having success. You're going to throw with negative leverage. A, do you think that they were slow in recognizing that and, and adjusting to it? Or do you think that he coached scared? I'm kind of curious. I've heard it all from our fans, so I'd like to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I don't know that they coached scared. I, you know, and they talked about it today. Alex Ackerman, Mike Novell talked about it today that that NC State definitely did some things to, um, you know, change some things in the pre-snap reads and what they were doing that kind of affected what Jordan could see and it limited their ability to check into a better place. So I think there was part of it was that. But man, and I'm, this is probably over overly simplistic. But I said to myself at halftime, NC State's going to come out and try to be bullies in the second half. That's their only chance. And they don't have a quarterback that can make plays. They don't have a receiver that can make plays, receivers that can make plays. They're going to have to come out and be more physical and just try to kick Florida State's butt physically. And I thought they did that. In the second half, they come out that first drive, the way that running back ran in Mm -hmm. the second half, and Florida State did not respond. And I think some of the drop passes, at least one, maybe two of them, looked like guys that were concerned about getting hit. And I just, I'm not saying that this is not a tough team. I think it has been a tough team. But NC State, I thought, raised their physicality in the second half. And I just don't think Florida State responded to it. So to me, I'm going to put it on that as much as anything else. Well, if they're to have any chance whatsoever against Clemson, they're going to have to be healthy. Where do we stand on the myriad players falling to the turf in this game and seemingly every effing week uh, with seven, eight guys writhing in pain after every play. What is the uh, what is the status on some of the more notable guys that we're hoping to have back? Like, let's say, Fabian Lovett with Winston Wright. Is he close? Name your guys. Uh, we got a litany of a, a, a long list of guys. I thought, uh, you know, at the game on Saturday, um, you know, Fabian Lovett was out there mm-hmm. walking around without a boot. He looked like he was getting over. I, thought, I think I saw him jogging at one point. Um, so I think that's all really positive. He has been out for a month now, so you'd like to think he's going to be close to getting back. That would be huge because you lost Robert Cooper in that game as well, and uh, you're really thin. When when we asked, uh, I think Corey asked uh, Adam Fuller today about the defensive tackles, and and he basically said, "Well, we'll have somebody out there." And so that didn't sound super encouraging uh, about your first string guys, or maybe even your second string guys. So um, he went quickly to Dennis Briggs, who now has moved back inside the defensive tackle and, and some of the younger guys, Josh Farmer and, and those guys defensive tackle. Uh, Trayshawn Ward, the running back, obviously, leading rusher, 
uh, went out with the game. Mike Norvell was noncommittal about how he is this week. And then Trayshawn Ward uh, put a photo on Instagram of him in a hospital room. So that probably doesn't bode well for him playing this weekend. No. Um, and then, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, they've, they've still got other guys that are banged up. I, I think Winston Wright will play soon. But, uh, you know, look, if, 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 I'm, if I'm the training staff or the coaching staff and I say, well, you got Clemson, then you have a bye week, does it make more sense to wait till after the bye week to bring a guy back who hasn't played all year? Probably so. Um, but, but I do think he'll play in the next few weeks. It's an interesting time for this team, and we know that all of the good feelings that uh, were engendered by the four straight wins have begun to wane. You can hear it. I know on our message boards on Warchant.com and on social media outlets everywhere, the fans are growing restless, Ira, uh, <laughs> but I can't imagine that they're going to feel much better after this weekend. Do you think it's a close game? I do, man, just because I don't think, uh, you know, Clemson's offense is not very good. They have not been very good, and this is going to be a tough place for them to play. This is, they haven't played in an environment like that this, this season, um, and he's obviously had his ups and downs at quarterback. Um, so I think, uh, I think, I don't think, I can't see Clemson running away with it unless Florida State just self destructs. And I don't expect that to happen. So I do think it's going to be a good game. Maybe again, and I just kind of hypothesized it in my column. Uh, you know, maybe this brings that back out of them, the energy they played with against LSU. Um, just kind of, you know, again, playing like their backs against the wall, like they have nothing to lose. I think that's when this team has played better. Uh, and, and they need to learn how to play better in those other situations. But but I think it might be bring the best of my – I think it's going to be a good game. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, you're right. At some point, if you're so limited physically, you know, it may not matter how much fight you have. Always appreciate it, brother. Be well. I'll talk to you real soon. Thanks, Jeff. See you, man. All right, take care. Ira Chappelle, com. We'll be together tomorrow for Seminole Headlines. Look forward to it. And I'm curious to see just how healthy um, Forest State can get for this game. It really does change everything about your expectations, and not just for this game but for the season. Because it's unrealistic to expect Florida State to get wins against teams that if we're to measure the totality of the roster – have better players if all your good players aren't healthy. Now, certainly all is a bit much on my part, but if you don't have Fabian Lovett back for this and the guys that have had to replace Fabian Lovett are a notch below what he is and now some of them are hurt, well, then you got a real problem. I mean, you're just not going to be able to compete. And I'd like to believe if they are healthy and Lovett is back and you get guys getting stronger, not just being back and capable of going, but getting stronger and feeling better, um, then yeah, man, you could compete in this game because I do think you could you could limit Clemson's offense to a point where you're in the game in the second half, and then then you've got a couple of guys you need to make plays. Can't drop passes. <laughs> Tell you that. No can't, no, can't do that. Every one of these plays that are there to be made have to be made. If you're gonna pull the upset, that's typically the case in any upset. Is plays are made. Um, a lot of times spectacular plays, but certainly the mundane, run of the mill play that you have to make to move the chains and possess the ball, and at the very least flip field position, those plays definitely have to be made. It's Jeff Cambridge on 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Our thanks to uh, Ira Chappelle. I would strongly encourage you to read his 321 over there on warchant.com. Hey, I work for them. The... Um, Things we learned is always fun, and uh, it's, a, it's a weighty one this week. It's definitely an interesting one this week as we go through and look at all the different um, 
reasons that Florida State lost. Something he did, though, that I didn't get a chance to mention uh, in terms of the impressive outings. Because we lost, you didn't get, and you mentioned this in hour number one, the opportunity to really brag on Patrick Payton or even Joshua Farmer. Uh, Also, Tatum Bethune had 14 tackles, two and a half of those for loss, and he was everywhere, including making a big tackle late. He did, and even DJ Lundy made a couple of big plays in this game, run stuffs, where when you had to have them in some of those formative moments. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of dudes that you should be able to talk about and really, just with pride, thump your chest for them and say, good job, guys. Now we feel great about the Clemson matchup because the defense has performed well against Wake Forest. They shut down NC State, and you know you don't like to split those games, but here we go. We still got a chance in the Atlantic, and all of our goals that we didn't even expect to be in front of us are in front of us. And you can't. I'd like to see them get a lot more aggressive throwing the ball on first down. Um, I think they're going to have to. Teams are going to try to take away the run game. It's the bread and butter for Florida State. We know this. If you go back, uh, let's see, let me pull this up by quarter. Um, So, you know, you go back through and you look at what ended up happening for these for the drives for Florida State. Um, were no huddle shotgun in the third quarter. Toafili rush left four yards, uh, four yard loss to start. So that's right off the bat. We're running the ball, uh, doesn't work. Now we got to throw second and fourteen. Um, not not ideal. Uh, the next time we get the ball, we're in the shotgun again. Jordan does take off, gets fourteen yards. We give the ball to Benson on first down on the next play. He gets two yards, then we're throwing second and long. And again, you know, that's not a throw on first down. The, the play before it, you know, I, I'd like to – it worked 14 yards for Jordan Travis. That's great. I'd like to see us throw on even downs where we have an opportunity, meaning balance uh, in those situations. Next time we have the ball, let's go back through here. This is – Okay, we throw a quick pass short left to Ontario Wilson for one yard. Then we're in no huddle, and we run up the middle, and we lose yard. It is now third down and more than ten. <laughs> is that the Mark Easton drop? Yeah. that's, a, that's a, On the roll right? That's a toughie, yes. Oh, I'm so mad about that. Go back through. I forgot about the Mark Easton drop. Mm-hmm. That's a good play by uh, that's a physical all-world player. If you're looking at that catch versus potential catch versus some of the other drops. I think that's the highest degree of difficulty. Maybe well, just because the guy made a play on the ball. Right. As opposed to you just dropped it. Right. As, yeah, that would be the first third down of the second half. The roll right to Johnny, mm-hmm. which is here. Oh, and buddy. It, the other killer is, and, and I said this during the broadcast, and I get it. The first goal of fourth down is to move the sticks and get a first down. And Jordan's throw to Johnny on the fourth down drop is more than accurate enough to achieve a first down. Yes, it is. But if it's actually a really good throw, he probably still he will score. He will score. Yeah, but I it doesn't have to be a really good throw. There just has to be good enough to convert, and it is. And he drops it, and it's not the only one. That's the one that you just referenced there that hits him right. I I don't know. Did he lose it in the lights? I mean, it's it's nuts. Um, Those are two really critical drops. And then of course Malik McLean turns the wrong way. If he turns the correct way, it's a catch and a touchdown. It still should have been a catch. but, you know. It was at that point I felt much better about Jordan after the first little while of the game. I said, oh, well. That's in there. Looks like he's back. Yeah. But now you've got to worry about that moving forward. It's not just against the best defense you're going to see, unfortunately, which comes to town this weekend. That's the best defense in the schedule. But now you've got two separate games in which you're worrying, is Jordan streaky or is 
or is this just an aberration and he's been he's going to be that consistent player that we saw for the first four games? Well, we certainly know those numbers are um, hindered by all of the drops. Those numbers look pretty good, even you know if if, if half those catches are made, uh, including probably another touchdown on the ledger. But his play has been uneven. And that is fair to say as well, even incorporating all of those drops. Well, that first interception is also after a kick out of bounds. The first time you get good field position in a while, you're on the 35, and then I get it. Sometimes a defense calls a coverage or, or a run blitz. Or oh, a it was blitz the perfect call right, right into time. the teeth of something that you're running. Throw it into the stands. Right. You're out of the pocket. What are you doing? That's just a poor decision. Well, he's, he's moving backwards because he's yeah. worried about pressure coming, so he's throwing off of his back foot. Yeah. Throw it away. Play is blown up. They won this one. Second down. Let's go. You know, that that's the hardest thing. And I get you want to make a play and you're frustrated and all that, but man. That's what you got to flush. That's the lesson, though. That, I get you're frustrated. So yeah, what? It can't affect yeah. you on this throw, dude. It cannot. And that's part of the growth that we're all having to go through. You wish that we didn't have to go through it after a loss, but this kid is transformed from a runner who can sometimes throw to a thrower and, who you who want you want to run more. Right. And also he needs to learn how to deal with those situations because it hadn't been since high school and maybe not even then. You're already preternaturally gifted compared to your competition most weeks. These are lessons that we know about quarterback play, but he might be finding out because for the first time in a long time he's a quarterback. Well, I know that he was great in the spring, great in fall practice at encouraging teammates after bad moments. Uh, we brought up an example to give you context. Michael Pittman had a bad day at practice, dropped several passes, one of which finally got the best of Micah. And he came to the sideline, heaved his helmet up against the wall and uttered some things I can't repeat here as one does when they're frustrated. And Jordan came over out of the drill just to say, hey, don't worry about it. Flush it. Let's move on. I'm going to come right back to you. And I thought, you know, the growth, the maturity that we're seeing from him, this will this will pay dividends. That would have been the time for it to be on display in this game. And I think on the heels of the weight loss where some things didn't go right on five consecutive possessions that we talked about, really six because you have a missed field goal in there, um, it's just starting to mount now because everything was humming for a long time. And in the first half of this game – Again, you're moving the ball. You're doing a lot of things very well. But there were moments where you could have capitalized to have an even, even bigger lead. He carries that over. NC State comes down. It's incumbent upon this offense to retort. Oh, I see that you've made some adjustments. Fine. You don't on the first drive. Fine. You don't on the next drive. Okay, let's get it together. Now we now know they are selling out to stop the run. All right, they're begging us to pass. Going to be a good time here. Let's go. Let's throw the football. And then you have some drops and you have some mistakes and you have a penalty that really kills you. So at that point, it got the best of him. But he is the unquestioned leader of this team, so that can't happen. And I hope that conversation has occurred. That can't happen. Your body language, the way you respond to questions, the way you look at your teammates and your coaches, that is all being watched by every one of these guys. And it's certainly watched by uh, you know players after the game when they go back and see the film. It, yes. Oh, sure. Or you're just rewatching the game because ESPN or the ACC yeah. Network, rather, you know, they captured that moment yeah. after the first interception. So, yeah, it, it's part of the growth. Is he a perfect player? We never thought he was, but he he got really advanced really fast from uh, preseason expectations to through you know the LSU game. You're saying, oh, well, if that's who you are, then we can have a whole new conversation. But there's something in the middle that's true. 
is that you don't just go from one to the other overnight. You've got to learn some lessons along the way. And unfortunately, those lessons were among the reasons that we didn't come away with a win on Saturday. But you hope the lessons are learned. Look, the offensive line did much better with all the, the multiplicity of, of what NC State brings to the table. I know the second half didn't go as well in terms of establishing the run. You only had about four cracks at it on first down, <laughs> five cracks at it. But in the first half, they handled that much better. Wake taught them lessons, and Alex Atkins was going over it in his Monday press conference a week ago saying, yeah. they got to be better prepared, and I've got to do a better job of that. Well, they did. So hopefully Jordan can learn in the same way a lesson where you say, oh, you know how to handle this now, and you're not going to flip out on us. Great. Good. I'll give you a sneak peek of the probables for tomorrow's action. I'm so happy to be able to preview a Phillies game. They're still alive because it just means that the Cardinals are gone. Yes, I love Matthew, and I'm happy his team moved on, but it's I'm probably gaining more satisfaction from the Cardinals getting swept at home. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, it's this is qualified Phillies team. love. It's qualified. Yeah, it is. I mean, I you know, the Rays get swept. They're gone. Your Mets, gone. Come on, Phillies. Get it done. Although... If I go to the other side, I would say I I could pull hard for Seattle. Kyle Raleigh. Yeah, it's an easy team. Having to root fun. For. And that's an easy team to root for. Our thanks to uh Tulula. Stop by one of their three locations in town. Soon I will be floating. And if you want to float, it's just fifty bucks over at Railroad Square. Maybe we all should float after that last game. We need some floating. Need some Delta Eight. Need some good juice. Natural pain management. Tallulah's got it all and more right there at your fingertips. Good times. Good sleep, too. Are we done? We're done. That's it. I got to go. Bye. No, no, no probables, I guess. <laughs> Peace.